Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Thank you to today's podcast sponsor, Kiss Naturals. Want to keep your kids off the screen and getting into some creative stuff? Have them make 100% natural, made in Canada, lip balms, soaps, bath bombs, and lava lip gloss. Your kids are going to beam with pride when they have completed their DIY project. Only $24.95 each. Please visit kissnaturals.com and use the promo code KIDFUN for an extra 20% off. See the show notes for a direct link. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today, we're going to talk about 25 rules and habits that I hold myself so that I can be the best parent that I can be, speaking as a parenting coach and a mom of four kids. Hello, my name is Christina Campos, and I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I'm a mom of four. I've taught every grade from preschool through high school, and today I help moms and dads like yourself to navigate that exhausting, confusing, frustrating, and rewarding world of parenting. So welcome to The Impactful Parent. Let me introduce you to my co-host and best friend, Melissa Clark. Melissa is a mom of three and has been a teacher, a social worker, and a therapist. But Melissa found her true calling with Gestalt Coaching. And today, Melissa helps people heal past wounds and step into their best self with the Gestalt method of therapy. Today's episode is all about the rules that I hold to myself to be the best parent I can. I am so excited that you're here because this is an amazing episode with a free PDF so that you could checklist to see if you do these things too. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. Okay, so Melissa, I'm really excited about this episode because in our last episode, we did a interview with a fabulous guy who was talking about his secret sauce to parenting. And basically what he did was he created habits that any person who's really successful would emulate. And we had a great conversation with him. I highly suggest you check out that episode. But that got me thinking, Melissa, what are my secret sauce formulas to being the best parent I can be? I certainly have them to try to be the best parent I can be, not only for my four kids, but as a parenting coach. I started writing down like things that I just tell people over and over and over again, like get these things solidified, get these things down packed. And so I wanted to start off the new year and the end this year with what are those secret sauce formulas that I personally do and implement even in my own home. Now, the bad part about it is that I came up with 25 and I know you're looking like, oh my God, can't you just like make that smaller? I probably could. But the thing about it is, is that parenting isn't easy and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort, right? And it takes all 25 things to kind of work together simultaneously to create a really good environment for your kids to grow up in. So we're just going to make this into a two-part series. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. So let's get started. Number one. Number one is to buy or rent a house in the best neighborhood that you can afford. So statistically, it just comes down to 
neighborhood matters. You're not the only influence in your child's life. So where you live tends to dictate where your child goes to school and the people they hang out with. And to make sure that your child has like the best opportunities, the best uh, chances, the best circumstances for success, I highly suggest renting or buying a home in the best neighborhood that you can afford because it's just going to increase those chances. Now, is it a foolproof thing? Absolutely not, right? But it does help to give your child, you know, the best start that they can. I love that one. That is really good and not one that most people would think of. Number two, you want to be strict with your child when they are young and ease up as they get older. And this is exactly the opposite of what most parents do. They see this cute little child with the pigtails and they're so adorable and they're toddlers. And so what do they do? They're more lenient with a toddler or a really young child and then really try to knock it down and throw those boundaries at to your teenager because they're trying to keep that teenager safe and, you know, within rules and boundaries. But actually, in my opinion, the opposite is really what should happen. You want to set those boundaries really strict in the beginning because you're trying to set yourself up as the authority figure in your home the person that your child has to listen to, that's going to be giving you the best advice, that also is there to protect them. You're going to set that up in the beginning. And as your child gets older, they're going to crave independence. And you absolutely need to give it to them. So as your child gets older, hopefully you have set them up with the tools that they need to make good choices. But in the end, you're actually easing up on some of those boundaries and allowing your child to make choices for themselves. That's a very good one. And I can actually relate that to especially substitute teaching, but teaching in general is the teacher needs to set those expectations, set the boundaries, be coming in pretty hard and strict. And then as they get to know the students and they can ease up a little bit, but it's way harder to do it the other way around of coming in, just wanting students to like them or just wanting your kids to like you. (laughs) And then trying to set those strict boundaries is really hard to do it that way. Now, number three, Allow your child to do as much for themselves as possible. Don't do anything for them that they can do for themselves. This includes laundry, pickup, uh, homework, lunch boxes, even light cooking. And the only exception I have to this is that it's okay to cook a good meal for your child every day. You don't have to make your child cook their own meals if they know how. Just I would have them make their own lunch boxes, maybe make all their snacks for themselves. And it's okay to cook a meal for them, but you're still trying to get them to do some of the light cooking themselves. And what this does, it goes back to a theory with um with actually our elderly that you're giving a disservice to them if you're doing things for them. You really want to allow them to do whatever they can when they can. And this is preparing your child for their future. So much we coddle our kids and we just do too much for them. And that's, again, going back to that disservice. We're teaching our kid to rely on us instead of teaching them independence. And this is a tough one, especially with little ones, because of course we want to save time. And if they're taking forever to get their shoes on and their jacket on and everything, it takes so much longer to let it 
to let, let them do it on their own. But man, once they get it and they can learn and figure it out, then it's going to go a whole lot smoother down the road. But it is tough because it seems like it would be more efficient just to do everything. Um, but yeah, it's a, a long run. It's And that's the whole point, right? With all of these points, I feel like it's the same message of put in the time and effort now because the outcome is what we're going for is having healthy, productive, functioning adults. Number four, when your child gets in trouble, allow your child to experience natural consequences as much as possible. I like to encourage written apologies and then debriefing bad choices after the fact so that they can learn from mistakes. What could you have done better the next time? Or if you could turn back time, what would you have done differently? And then since we can't turn back time, what can we do now to make the situation better? Yeah, I think that's such a good one. And that actually relates to our last podcast that we were talking about with uh, when William was talking about asking them questions, not just telling them and not just lecturing them about all of the things that they've done wrong, but it's really getting them to think and take that accountability for themselves by asking questions of what could you have done different? How could you fix this? And I think that the natural consequences is really key here. I think so many times as parents, we think we need to add on something more to make it harsher so that we'll remember what they did wrong. And that's not necessarily what we have to do every single time. In fact, most of the time, I would say we probably don't. The natural consequence is going to be bad enough, whether that natural consequence is embarrassment, maybe even be getting expelled from school, losing a car for several months. The bad part about all of this is that a lot of times your child's consequence also affects you. And now your life is harder because your child messed up. And so what do we do? We don't want to punish ourselves. So then we, you know, we figure out how to accommodate and while punish them this way instead, that way I can give them back their car. And now I don't have to drive them to school every day. I see and hear what, what parents are doing there, but then the consequence doesn't really ever fit the action. And then, and then there's a breakdown in that learning process. Yeah. And if they learn, and this can take a long time, because I feel like some adults still don't have this, but if they can learn that cause and effect, like if I do this, then this will happen. And we're consistent as parents, they will figure that out on their own as they get older, that intrinsic, like, oh, maybe I should think about my consequences for my actions versus just being impulsive and doing whatever they feel like in the moment. Now, number five, never give up on your child. Remember that your child's perspective is actually your goal. You know, do they feel heard? Do they feel like you accept them for who they are? Do they feel like that you love them? Do they feel safe around you? So many times we think, oh, of course they do. I'm trying so hard. I do this for them. I do that for them. I do this for them. And then really that doesn't translate over to your child. If your child doesn't feel safe with you, if your child doesn't feel loved by you, then I'm going to say, then your goal wasn't reached. It's how do they feel? We got to look at it from their perspective, not from ours and just never give up on them. It doesn't matter how much you have tried to do a point across and you said over and over and over again, I have told my child I love them every single day, but if they don't believe it, then they don't believe it. And we have to try new things. So just never give up on your child. This one's particularly difficult when your child is a teenager and they're so 
so mean at times, or they're pushing you off and saying, I don't want to spend any time with you. I don't want you to be around. I don't want to talk to you. But as a parent, I'm telling you, don't give up on them. And that one's tough. That actually hits home for me personally because of where my 14-year-old is at the moment, um, just very resistant and stuff. But it's tough. Yeah, it's almost like we have to not take a lot of it personally. It's being directed at us, but just to not take it personally and stand by them and ride out the roller coaster with them, which is not easy. But that's what is that is what's best for them. It's so easy to give up. So, so easy. So I'm just telling you, parents, don't give up on them. If they say, I don't want to talk, you leave them alone for a little while, but you come back and you try again later and you just Mm -hmm. keep trying again and you just keep trying again. Number six, use sticky notes, dry erase markers on mirrors, text messages, and touch your child when you talk to them verbally in order to communicate with them. What this one comes down to is expand your communication with them because then your communication is going to be more clear. So many times we rely on just our voice and we tell our kids, I told them, I told them this, I told them that. And then we wonder why they forgot or they didn't internalize it or they just didn't even listen. So my secret sauce to you is Really, use stick notes. Use the dry erase markers on the mirrors to say, hey, don't forget to do this. Use text messages, whatever you need to do in order to get your point across. But be creative with how you're communicating with your child. That's so good. It reminds me of the Muppet Babies. I don't know if you ever remember watching that, but they're little. And then the parents, the adults are just like, wah, 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 wah. You can't ever understand what they're saying. And I think you're right. And again, especially teenagers, but probably at any age, kids tune us out. They're too busy being engaged in whatever it is they're doing, playing or reading or whatever. And if we're just talking to them, especially in another room, they're not going to hear us. And then we'll just get frustrated. And so having different forms of communication could be very helpful. This is especially important if your child has ADHD, because sometimes they just can't internalize just that verbal processing when it stands alone. So you couple that reminder verbally with a sticky note or a little message on their bathroom mirror, and now you got some action happening. Number seven, ask more questions. Ask all the questions all the time. What asking questions does is it opens up the opportunity for you to A, learn about your child, and two, for them to talk to you. And this starts at any age. I don't care if your child is a toddler or if you have a teenager, ask all kinds of questions. You want to get into this habit of asking them questions and then having them respond back. So that way later on in life, when they are teenagers and maybe they're a little bit more reluctant to talk to you, it still feels natural for you to ask them questions and for them to respond. And to help you out with this, I actually have a freebie. Um, if you go to theimpactfulparent.com slash learning questions, these questions are on a PDF, 100% free for you. And basically these questions are questions that I ask my own children in order to figure out what happened in a situation when maybe they made a mistake and how they can learn from that mistake. So these are questions where I'm not lecturing anymore when my child has to has to learn something because they did something really stupid. Instead, I'm asking them questions to pull it out of them. And it's awesome. They, uh, my kids love it because 
I'm not lecturing anymore. Mm -hmm. I actually do this a lot with my clients in coaching too, is to help them come up with their own answers and their own stories and their own solutions instead of just telling them what, what I feel like they need to hear. I think that's super helpful. And it's modeling for our kiddos that it is okay to ask questions and to be curious you know, just to, to be exploratory. So that way, when they go out into the world and they're in social, like awkward situations that they can just come up with a question to ask and try and engage with other people. So I think it's, that's hitting a few key points um, for communication for kiddos. I agree. That's awesome. Asking questions. I mean, literally it's pivotal, but it's not easy for a parent to do learning how to ask the right questions. Oh, it could be be huge learning curve. It's, it's not something that's intuitive. So mm -hmm. check out the free PDF, go to the impactfulparent.com slash learning questions. And at least this will give you a good place to start. Now, number eight is super simple. Just don't forget to say that I love you to your child every single day, every day. And this goes back to Hey, and maybe in different ways. Sometimes you might want to write it on the bathroom mirror. Sometimes you might want to just send a text message, but vary up how you're telling your child that you love them. Don't rely just on the verbal I love you all the time. That's another fantastic one. I can't tell you how many clients I've had that their parents never said that to them. And they just figured because they were going through the motions of caring for them that the message was conveyed, but that's not always the case. So letting the kids actually hear those words does really mean a lot to them. Thank you for saying that, Melissa, because I feel like so many parents, they they think my child knows. My child knows because I've told them. They may not know. They may so not know. Knows. Yeah. Now, number nine, take advantage of car rides. Car rides are so magical and you only get them until your child is driving on their own, right? Because then you don't have those car rides quite as often anymore. But there is something special about a car ride that allows you to talk to your child, especially your teenager. And teenagers, they don't like to talk face-to-face. -face. They don't like it when you approach them. But there's something about talking in parallel, where they're either sitting next to you or behind you in the car. And it's a lot less intimidating, and they're much more willing to open up to you. So take advantage of car rides. This is when you ask about their day. This is when you ask all those questions that you're learning how to do. This is when you're saying, I love you, because they're going to hear you. Yes. And to piggyback on that, I think it's so crucial when you can catch those moments with them, because we might be on just focused on our tasks, right? If we need to run errands or get home from school and make dinner, we might be super focused and distracted, but if, and, but they still give us nuggets, right? They're going to tell us something that they'll just blur. At least my 14 year old does. She'll just blurt out something. And I have to make sure to catch what she says to be able to ask those questions and to listen and expand on it and stay out of my own head when I know I have a gazillion things to do for the rest of the day, but to really you know, um, take advantage of that time and by capturing what they say and writing it out. Number 10, create a solid routine and stick with it. I can't tell you over and over enough times how important a routine can be for a child. Routine is going to 
allow you not to nag quite as much. It's going to allow your child to know exactly what is expected of them. It brings security to your child so they're not guessing, oh, I don't know, what should I do? It's going to allow your household to run more efficiently, create a routine, whatever that looks like in your household, where you're waking up about the same time, you're leaving the house about the same time, what they need to do in the morning to get up and get ready looks exactly the same every single day. Um, you know, everything from when do I do my homework? Uh, when do I clean my room? How do I clean my room? Create a routine and you magically won't have to go through quite as many battles and cr create that routine as early as you can. Yes. And I don't think it has to be super complicated. I think it can actually be very simple, but it's, it's just about being consistent with it. That's, that is key. Number 11. I suggest to turn off the Wi-Fi at 10 p.m. and put down the phone for everyone in the house. Now, the reason I say this is because turning off the Wi-Fi can be really important for a teenager. It's not always just enough to say, turn in your electronic or turn off your phone or whatever, but actually turning off the Wi-Fi of your house also forces you to put down the phone, put down the computer, to go to bed um, at a reasonable time most nights. Um, it just helps so that we can disconnect and then allow our brain to rest, which not only is good for us, but obviously really, really good for our kids. And you mentioned uh, coming back around to New Year's resolutions or goals. This is one of mine, is being able to shut it down, power off, so that everybody in the household gets sleep because I know we all have a tendency to stay up later than we should because of technology. So this is a good thing. Now I know a lot of parents out there are like, oh, that's not going to work. They're just going to use their data. Okay. They might, your child might use their data just to be on their phone and continue to be online. But our objective as parents is to set the precedent and maybe from time to time, make the making the right choice for your child a little bit easier for them to make it. So when you turn off the Wi-Fi, you're setting that precedent precedent of, hey, it's now time for everybody in the house, including yourself, to decompress and turn off electronics. But the other thing that it does is it makes your child <laughs> child's life a little bit more difficult. So they have to use that data if they're going to make that choice to stay online. And that is just a reminder to them that they're making a choice that you don't necessarily agree with. And sometimes as parents, it's just all we need to do for our kids is remind them this might not be the best choice for you. And I think that's the goal, right, is to have them make those decisions for themselves. And, and they sometimes may need a reminder. I think even as adults, we still sometimes still do. Now, number 12, I learned that a messy house is okay. It's really hard for me to have a messy house though, Melissa. Really, really hard. It bothers me so. But in the end, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> My house doesn't matter. Children care more about how you treat them and how they're taken care of than whether or not all the dishes in the sink are washed and then put into the dishwasher, whether or not there's clothes on the ground or not. So as long as you are in a sanitary house and nobody's getting sick from the mess, it's really okay to have a messy house. No one, no one cares. <laughs> mm -hmm. Especially with little ones. 
Like I just remember my kids when they were toddlers and it was a constant battle and I had to choose, okay, I can either have a clean house or I can keep my sanity. And I chose to just kind of let the stuff go. It's, and even now it's like, okay, it's not that big of a deal, right? I'd rather be, I would rather be peaceful and calm for my kiddos than to constantly be nagging them about keeping the house clean. Thank you to today's podcast sponsor, Kiss Naturals. Want to keep your kids off the screen and getting into some creative stuff? Have them make 100% natural, made in Canada, lip balms, soaps, bath bombs, and lava lip gloss. Your kids are going to beam with pride when they have completed their DIY project. Only $24.95 each. Please visit kissnaturals.com and use the promo code KIDFUN for an extra 20% off. See the show notes for a direct link. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.